Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others fought to win the prize who sailed through bloody seas? I think that's one of my favorite lines in any hymn that we sing. And not because it's a feel-good line, it's not. It's a haunting line. It asks a very tough question. It's a question that I've been wrestling with as of late in reading about and thinking about and praying for the suffering church. And the question I've asked myself, am I called here in Austin, Texas in 2019 to be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? Well, of course, the context of this is suffering for the name, suffering for the faith. And the question I would ask all of us is, do we find these questions in this hymn to be haunting or is it easy to just gloss over it? Is there that much of a disconnect? Whenever we read Scripture, there's this connection between suffering and following Christ. We heard it this morning in the words that Rayford read, the Beatitudes, in describing the blessed life, the happy life. Blessed are those, Jesus says, who are poor in spirit and and mournful and meek, hungry and thirsty for righteousness and merciful and pure in heart and peacemaking. But then there's those last two. Let me read those again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you. The word I heard this morning from Rayford's translation is insult you, and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, that seems so counterintuitive. That the blessed life, the happy life, is one that endures persecution. But like so many of the other Beatitudes, this one is unpacked later on in the Gospel of Matthew, which is where we're going to be today in our sermon text, Matthew chapter 10. Jesus is going to tell us a little more what this means. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. As we talked about in our Bible classes this morning, Matthew 10 is Jesus' instruction to the disciples. He's sending the twelve out on a mission. And in Matthew chapter 10, it's a bit of, I have good news for you and bad news. So you think about that, which one do you normally want to hear first? We want to hear the bad news. That's right, we want to hear the bad news first because if someone gives us the good news... It's hard to hear it because we're thinking, well, what's down the line? And we want to end on a good note. But the disciples don't really raise a fuss when Jesus starts with the good news in chapter 10. And this is the good news. I'm sending you out on this mission, and you're going to have authority. You're going to have power over the evil spirits. You're going to have power to heal the sick, the same power that I have. And then Jesus gives them some instructions. In, in summary, it's proclaim the good news, travel light, extend the peace of God. Well, that's not just good news, that's great news. But just in case the disciples are getting a little too excited about this new power that they've been given, Jesus says, okay, here's the bad news. And it's bad news, it's not all bad news, but it's, it's pretty bad. Let's pick up in the story 
in the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 16. Hear the word of God. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will have not gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Verse 24 and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, which is demonic, how much more will they malign those of his household? May God bless the reading of his word. I want our children to pay attention to this because I'm going to teach you a magic trick. And it involves a penny. So you get a bunch of pennies, each with a different date on it. You get a friend, and you're going to amaze your friends here. And you tell them to choose a penny from the stack. And so you have to close your eyes first. So you close your eyes, they choose a penny, they look at the date, and then you ask for that penny back with your eyes closed. And you put the penny between your hands, and you start doing this. And you start to say the magic words, as much gibberish as you can come up with. You need to buy yourself about 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds, but you've got to keep rubbing that penny between your hands. And when you're finished, your eyes are still closed, you give that penny back to your friend, tell them to mix it up with the pennies on the table. Then you open your eyes, you see all these pennies, and you start to feel around on the different pennies. You're looking for something very specific. There's something about this penny that was chosen that's going to stick out. What is it? It should be warm. The penny should be warm. And then you can take it, read the date, and your friends will pl applaud, I'm sure, at this trick. But the reason why the penny is warm is because when you rub your hands together, you're creating friction. And with that friction, there comes heat. That's why we rub our hands together. That's why we did that this week. Whenever it was cold outside, we want to generate some heat. And the penny is right there in that intersection. Well, what in the world has this to do with the text that we just read? Well, as we take a step back and we think about our witness, our witness to the world, I have a question for us to consider are you a warm penny or a cold penny? 
When it comes to your witness, are you a warm penny or are you a cold penny? You see, what we find in the New Testament, really in the Old Testament, the whole story of Scripture is we find a clash of kingdoms. On the one hand, you have the kingdom of God ushered in through Christ. And on the other hand, you have the kingdom of this world. And the gospel story is the story of an invasion. And at this clash, at this intersection between the two kingdoms, Jesus is right in the middle. And at this intersection, there is heat. There's friction. There's suffering. To be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ is to live in that intersection. This is what we find in Scripture. This is what we find in the book of Acts. As the kingdom of God spreads, as the church spreads throughout, throughout all of the world, the church meets resistance at every turn. Because in this invasion, the kingdom of this world, is, it's a kingdom that doesn't want to be conquered. It's a kingdom that is fighting against the kingdom of God with everything that it's got, and there will be friction, there will be heat. And we see this in Acts. We see it first with Jesus' own people, the Jews, who don't recognize Jesus as the Messiah, and we see it later on in the book of Acts with everyone else, the Romans, the Greeks, the Gentiles, us. That way of life is being challenged by this Jesus movement, and there's going to be heat. Well, all of this is anticipated by Jesus in our sermon passage today and in other passages as Jesus confronts any misconceptions about the gospel to his disciples. If there are any delusions of grandeur that the disciples have about the kingdom of God, if, if they think for a second that joining in with this mission is going to be a flowery bed of ease, if they think for a second that joining in with Jesus is going to be a ticket to high status and power and wealth, if they think for a second that the people of a fallen world are going to be lining up the streets ready to receive Jesus as Lord, Jesus quickly dispels those rumors. He quickly dispels any of those misconceptions. To be a witness is to live in that clash of kingdoms. It is to live in that intersection where there will be friction, heat, pain, and even blood. So again, the question... Am I a warm penny or a cold penny? I think it's easy here in the West, and certainly in our area, to live outside of this friction, to live outside of this intersection, or at least to walk on the fringes. And I think a lot of the reasons is really what this country was founded upon, part of the reason. We are founded on religious tolerance. We're founded on this idea of, well, you Keep your religious business to yourself. I'll stay out of your religious business if you stay out of mine. And perhaps this is being chipped away at. Who knows? But maybe that feeds a little bit of this idea that if I'm following Christ, we can keep our distance from another, keep enough space. We really can be on a flowery bed of ease. Well, I don't know about you, but I find a major disconnect between what I see in Scripture and in the book of Acts and what I experience as a follower of Christ here in Austin, Texas in terms of suffering for the name. Admittedly, there are times when I feel like a cold penny. 
And I find it haunting. And I ask the question, why is this happening? Think about our missionaries in foreign fields. It seems like they're right there in the mix, in that clash of kingdoms, in that intersection. They're seeing it, they're experiencing it. And I look around here in Austin, and I see, well, I see a lot of people who don't know our Lord, and all different kinds of people, maybe even in this room. There's resistance, per se. There's also a lot of indifference. But is not this clash of kingdoms here? In our own backyard? Do we not live in that intersection between the kingdom of God and kingdom of this world? Or are we comfortably sitting outside the fray? I'm asking myself these questions. Now, Jesus is not telling the church to rush into the fight to invite suffering in a way. So if we come along the street and we see some protest and they're protesting the church, whatever, I'm making this up hypothetically. Not to rush in with our Christian shirts and our crosses and generate martyrdom. In fact, I think Jesus says just the opposite. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. There's something about the gospel that is both inviting and off-putting. It is a combination. It is the the nature of the gospel, and we are to use wisdom and discernment. Make no mistake about it, we are to be witnesses. So what I hear as a word for Brentwood Oaks this morning in hearing this hard word, these instructions that Jesus gives the disciples, is perhaps preparatory in nature and there's good news and there's bad news let's hear the bad news first the bad news is that as we lean more into this intersection as I get the sense the spirit is doing among us and thinking about mission this last year as we go more and more as we dive into that intersection and that mission that God has given us there's going to be heat There's going to be friction. We have to brace ourselves for that reality. What was true of Jesus and his disciples is just as true today here in Austin, Texas. And I think it's especially true for our youth. And this group right here, this group sitting here, I mean, you're living in it. And some of you are about to go off on your own. And you're going to be by yourselves. And you're going to have to make some decisions pretty quickly about your circle of friends. Let me encourage you to establish your base first, your base of Christian friends first, before you go off with the other circle. Make sure you have a base. But when you go off in that other circle of friends, you need to be prepared. You don't have to wear a cross necklace You don't have to go quote Bible verses in order to stand out. Your behavior, what you choose to participate in, even your very speech is going to be a witness and you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And when that moment comes, if you're in the wrong circle, when that moment comes, you're going to feel the heat and you're going to have to make a decision. 
Am I going to maintain my witness? Or am I going to do things that will lessen the heat? To do as Jesus warned us not to do, to take that light and hide it under a bushel. Sometimes it's not fun to be a warm penny. It's costly. Well, that's the bad news. But there's good news. There's great news. And it's really what this series has been about. It's what the Gospel of Matthew is all about. It's why Jesus came. Emmanuel. God with us has come into this world. God with us is there in that intersection. In that clash of kingdoms. God is with us. He tells his disciples, the Spirit will be with you. God's very Spirit is indwelling the people of God. Energizing, empowering, giving courage. Yes, even giving the words that we need at just the right time. Whenever we are in that moment when our witness is under fire, the Spirit is there. Behold, I am with you always, says the Lord Jesus, even to the end of the age. God does not abandon us in that intersection. He didn't abandon the apostles. He didn't abandon the early church. He will not abandon us today. We are not alone. So this morning, we might feel like a cold penny when it comes to our witness. And I would encourage us to hear these words and to be alert to the movement of God's Spirit in our own thinking as we take in this Scripture and as God presents those opportunities to be witnesses, not in belligerent ways, but in strong firm ways as we proclaim the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ with our very lives. So, am I a soldier of the cross? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize who sailed through bloody seas? I would encourage our youth, you might consider this, to write these words down, get a copy of these words and put it in your Bibles. I think you're going to need them. Words that continue to speak today. Well, the invitation is open. The invitation to the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is present with his people, the one who can sympathize with us in every way, our great high priest, the one who knows what it's like to be tempted, the one who knows what it's like to meet resistance. If we would like to respond to the good news, to reclaim our allegiance to our Lord. Perhaps we have fallen off the way. We have the opportunity right now to come back into the fold, to rededicate ourselves to following in his footsteps, no matter what the cost may be to that. If you'd like to be baptized, as we witnessed last week when Adrian made the good confession and was baptized in these waters, we certainly would make that available for you this morning. If you'd like to join in with what God is doing among us here at Brentwood Oaks, now's the time to come as we stand and as we sing.